Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. it when when we just uh, just go go to town on on worship songs I believe with all my heart that that many of you came to this room this morning um, with just a desire uh, to worship the Lord and uh, and I love that love 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 and I think I said this last week or two weeks ago I just love um, that last song we sang there's so much truth there um, so much scripture contained in that and that worship song, and um, I hope that that made your, your heart merry this morning, right, with the truth of who God is. Um, this morning, we're going to finish up our series on, on prayer, and uh, we're not going to give up on prayer. We're going to go back to prayer over and over again uh, in the coming year. As you know, if you're with us on Wednesday night, and, uh, or if you've been listening to us from the platform, um, prayer um, plays a, a massive role and what we believe God has given us as a mission and a vision for the next 10 years as we um, count on God to do the unimaginable, um, we need to be a people, a community um, that prays. Um, if we want to begin to see um, God move in the hearts of those who are, are very far away from him, then we need to be a community of people um, that prays. If you want to see God just do something unique and powerful in our own fellowship, in our own community, um, in our small groups, situations, in our, our worship time together, then we need to be a community that seeks his face. If we want to see God move in the hearts of our children, in the hearts of our, of our young men and women, the next generation, the future leaders of Northbridge, can you believe it? The future leaders of Northbridge are just a few feet away. Right, And if we want God to move in their lives as young people, then we have to be men and women who are committed to seeking on their behalf, seeking the face of God on their behalf. So, so even though there's a, the series on prayer is, is coming to an end, let me say we're going to go back to it and back to it and back to it. We're going we're gonna to encourage you in your small groups to pray. Um, we're going to have more times of focused prayer in our, in our worship service in the next 90 days and continue out through the years to come. But, but I truly believe as we engage God intentionally in prayer, as we believe in him that he can do um, much more than we can ever hope for imagine, much more, that's the key, much more than we hope or imagine, um, then you're going to see the power of prayer active in our midst. Now, I know that's, that's your heart as well. You, I know that's your heart. You join the hearts of your pastors that we're just saying, God, we just want more. We just want more. And he's a God who can provide us more. Well, we'll, we'll have more opportunities for us to continue um, about engaging God in, in prayer in the coming year. Coming year. I want to turn our hearts this morning to a subject I think will be encouraging to you this morning. And that is the subject of, of learning how to incorporate praise um, into our, our prayer life. Praise into our prayer life. We're going to look at a few verses this morning out of Luke chapter 11. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to, to join me in Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at a couple of verses there. But we're also going to look at some verses also in the Psalms. So keep that copy of God's Word very handy. As you're turning to um, Luke chapter 11, 
I found a, I discovered a, uh, a story, a true story that I think will have everything to do to set up this message this morning on, on praise. There was a man named, his name was Stephen Miller. And Stephen Miller, uh, Mills, sorry, did something that no one else was able to do for 40 years. Stephen Mills um, had no idea on June 6, 2019, um, he would do something that hundreds before him uh, tried to do. You see, St- uh, Stephen and his family um, were vacationing in a small town called Vermilion, Canada, about 40 miles north of Alberta, Canada. If you don't know where Alberta, Canada, all I can say is this, it's far, far north, right? And so there they have found themselves in Vermilion, uh, Canada. Well, Vermilion, Canada um, had, has a museum. I have no idea. The article I read had, didn't get an explanation of why this little small town in the middle of nowhere, Canada, has a museum, but they have a museum. And so in this museum is there's a safe. And the town has had the safe for over 40 years. It was just given to them. But uh, the owner, when, when the owner left, he didn't give them the combination to the safe. So the town leaders decided they're going to call on some locksmiths. Locksmiths couldn't figure out how to open the safe. Um, they, they called in some uh, uh, safe crackers, you know. They couldn't open the safe. They called the safe manufacturers, and, and that to no avail. They couldn't figure out what the combination was. So they had this ingenious idea. Anyone who, who came to the small town of Vermilion uh, as a tourist and actually took a tour through their museum, at the end of the tour, everyone was given a shot at cracking open the safe, right? What an ingenious idea, right? And so uh, St- Stephen Mills, he, he's there with his family. You can see him in the, in the photograph. And he did like everyone else did. He just kind of laughed. He thought it was, it was a joke, you know? So he, kinda, he said he kind of got down on his hands and knees and put his, his ears to the safe like he saw in the movies, right? And he began to twist the dials. And he says that there's three numbers that came to his mind. 20, the numbers 20, 40, and 60. So he did a few turns to the left, a few turns to the right, and he pulls the handle, and to his surprise, and to the surprise of everybody there, the, the safe opened up, right? And, 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 and Steve Mills, he gets to his feet, and he jumps up, and he says, tonight I'm buying a lottery ticket, right? Because listen, in that moment, um, you feel like you are the luckiest person in the world. And, and sometimes we often feel like, um, like that when it comes to prevailing prayer right? There's, there's got to be some sort of um, code or, or combination to unlock the, the secrets behind prevailing and powerful prayer. And we're like Steve Mills. If we can just come up with that combination, right? If we can just figure out what it means to, for prayer to work in our lives, we would be the lucky ones, right? Well, it's like winning the lotto of life or, or, you know, define the odds. We know what it means to understand and connect with God through powerful prayers. Well, I have, I have good news for, for all of us this morning. There are no secrets to prevailing prayer. No secrets at all. You see, the Bible clearly gives us direction, clearly gives us instructions on how to experience God in our prayer life, how to draw near to God in our prayer life, how to experience God in our prayer life, how to see God move through our prayers. It's it's all contained in Scripture. Nothing's hidden from us. Nothing's kept back from us, right? We just have to dig into God's Word and and, and see where it's at. I I love the fact that that God has dedicated 149 chapters of the book of Psalm 
to teach us how to approach him in prayer. Um, 149 chapters in Psalm that, that show us the, the highs and lows of a, of a person's heart as they, as they come before God and as they struggle with just real life issues and how they just lay it out very plainly before God. We see all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament alike, where, where people are just crying out to God with, with great needs in their life. And sometimes they're crying out to God with, with words of, of praise and, and thanksgiving. Um, the book of James, several times, and James tells us why we don't see God answer our prayers. He says that, that first there is a, the moment where we just don't pray with faith. Or when we ask for selfish things that are not the very heart of God, um, we don't have answers to our prayers. And then there's Jesus, and Jesus spends a, a lot of time uh, talking about prayer in his ministry. Why? Because Jesus knows that prayer works. Why does prayer work? Because God is alive and God is always at work. And so, and so Jesus' prayer life um, was put on full display, not only for his disciples, but for us, but for his disciples when they saw Jesus pray, they also saw God at work in his prayers. They saw what prayers did for Jesus when he engaged the people daily in ministry. It's as if a prayer had invigorated the very being of Christ as when he went out to to meet the needs of people around him. And so they, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, they come to Jesus and, and, and they're curious about prayer, right? Um, they're just like, just like, they're like you know, us. We, we think that there's a special code to prayer. Um, there's a special way of, of getting God's heart, getting God's attention. And, and Jesus was like, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, if, if you want to pray, this is how you ought to pray. And so they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. If prayer works for you, we want it to work for us. Teach us how to pray. And what did Jesus says, say? This is what he said. He said, when you pray, Say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, um, uh, Matthew adds, um, when you pray, Father who art in heaven, hallowed um, be your name. And so he, he begins to, to say that in the very beginning of learning how to pray, God, Jesus says the first step in learning how to pray is to learning how to praise your heavenly Father. And that one statement, Father, hallowed be your name. I mean, Jesus had, a, had two groundbreaking approaches to prayer. First, he, he personalizes prayer, and then he places praise as a priority on why we ought to pray. You see, he could have, he could have indicated praise at any, at any time in what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he, he put the adoration of our Heavenly Father, of God himself at the very, very beginning on how to pray. Now, it's my personal belief, and it's my personal belief, that when we incorporate praise within our prayers, the rest of what is spelled out in the Lord's Prayer is easier for us to obtain. You see, a right value of God, a right understanding of God gives us the ability to see that his kingdom his kingdom is far greater than any of our little kingdoms that we build on a daily basis. When, we, when we, we see him for who we are and the grandeur of who we are and his ability to do all things, then we can trust him for our daily needs. 
when we're caught up in the fact that we are forgiven by him of our sins and, and we're just in all the fact that he has redeemed our life, then we are able to forgive others, right? And when, when we see God in all of his power and all of his glory and all of his majesty, when we know that he conquers all, when we know that he is a God that has never experienced defeat then he can help us overcome the devil and all the temptations he places upon us. So there is, there is much that, that Jesus was saying, there's much that praise to God in prayer accomplishes. And I wish I had a series on, on just being able to stand up here because there is a lot, a lot of things that, that praise accomplishes for us. When we pray, and I only have a, a few moments with you this morning, and so I, I just want to give you two things. Shocking, I don't give you three. I usually give you three things, but, but this morning, for the sake of time, I just want to give you two things that praise accomplishes in our prayer life. First, it, it enhances your awe of God. Now, when Jesus addresses God as Father, that was something new um, in that day and age. That was something new in the, in the worship history of Israel. That was something new that obviously the disciples had never heard before because what Jesus was saying is this, is when he was addressing God as Father, he was saying that, that, that prayer is a personal connection, right? That there is a connection between the person that is praying a prayer and, and, the, and the being that that prayer is going to. It is not as if God is, is far out somewhere in some far, far galaxy, um, untouched by you, unconnected to you and what you're going through. What Jesus was saying when he acknowledges God as Father in prayer, he was basically saying that God is a God who can be known by you and I. And, and he's known by his word, but also, listen, God becomes very personal to us when we pray to him. You see, this ability for us to call God Father comes to us because of all that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Because before them, before them, prayer for the, for, for the, for the, for the Israelites were nothing more than a technical form, a technical matter. But Jesus says, I'm taking out all the technicality away from prayer, and I'm giving you prayer as a relationship. Prayer as an ability to develop a relationship with, with Almighty God. But at the same time, he says that he is a God who is hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is an, is an old English term, and this is what it really means. It means to treat something as sacred or holy, to treat God as being gloriously holy and majestically great as he is. Now, He's, he's intimate as father, but he's also this, this awesome being that, that we cannot trivialize, right? The scriptures try to give us an understanding of who God is, but, but sometimes even in our own vernacular, we run out of ways to describe this indescribable being, this being with, without end, uh, this being without a beginning, this being who, who basically tells Moses that I am, that's, that's who I declare myself to be, I am, I always was, and I always will be. So on one hand, we have this personal understanding of who God is because of all that Christ did for us, but then we have this magnificent being who is 
overwhelming to us when we really try to take him in for all who he is. And so how do we keep that balance in mind? Well, the only illustration that comes to my mind, and, and, and I think it's a good illustration, I hope it's a good illustration, how you, keep the, how you keep a balance between God being phenomenal and unbelievable and great, and then yet he's also our father. There's a, a picture of President Kennedy, and there's several pictures out there of President Kennedy and his kids, Caroline and John Jr., and, and they're always in there. There's pictures of them playing in, in the Oval Office, right? But I love this picture. This is a picture of John Jr., and John Jr., they say, always played um, at the feet of his dad underneath the desk, right? Isn't that a great picture? And I can't believe that was, what, 60, 70 years ago, if I did my math right. Maybe I'm off on that, but this is, this is what I love about this. Um, John Jr., is in, the, in, is in the seat of all power in the free world. And the man sitting at the desk wields great power, right? He's the, the leader of the free world. But to John Jr., he's not president of the United States, um, leader of the free world. He is daddy. And so for John Jr., it, it's a different dichotomy going on. Yes, it doesn't keep um, uh, the President Kennedy from doing what he has to do in the Oval Office. It doesn't keep President Kennedy from making um, great decisions and, and, and national decisions that change everything and world decisions that change everything. It, but yet he's still a daddy to a son, right? And so that image, I hope, helps you understand just the balance we have. When we go to God and, and, and prayer, when we, when we see him as this as personal being his father, but at the same time, um, he's a God who is unbelievable in his majesty. And so we can approach him confidently in prayer because we are his dearly beloved ch- children, but we also got to keep in mind that he's also a supreme and sovereign of the universe. So when we praise God in prayer, it establishes our hearts in all of the awesomeness of who he rightfully is. Now, we often throw around that word awesome to describe a lot of things. But truly, if we understood the word awesome, and if we truly understood who God was, we would never say anything else is awesome outside the very nature of our Heavenly Father. There's no one like him in all the world. John Calvin says this when he was writing his commentaries on the, on the Lord's Prayer. He said this about hallowed be your name. He says, as it, this way he says, he goes, hallowed be your name as it is to have your entire heart captivated, captivated in the wonderment for God. To be captivated to be astonished by who he is. And so when we, when we praise God, we bring that to the forefront. When we, when we offer praises to God, we, 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 we bring to, to the forefront of our mind that we are in awe of all that you say that you are. Psalm 149, if you have your, your scripture still um, open, I encourage you to turn to Psalm 149. And in Psalm 149 um, it says this about, about praising God. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, in verse 4. He will beautify the afflicted one with salvation and let the godly ones exult 
in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Anyone, anyone done that lately? Just been on their beds and just erupted in some song? You know, maybe you kind of scared your spouse a little bit, frightened the dog. I don't know. But uh, have you ever sung to God? Have you just like me? I just cannot even get out of bed. I just got to give God the glory. Well, there you go. Let them sing for joy on their beds and let the high praises of God be in their mouth. We are to exalt God with words of highest praise to him. What does it mean for us to sing high praises to God? This is what it means to sing high praises to God. It means to not compare him to anything else in life. That when we sing to him that that he's the way maker, oh, there is no other way maker like he, right? When we say that he is a promise keeper, there is no other promise keeper like him. When we say that he is the the God of, of great love, there is no one who loves like him. When we look to him and say, God, you have forgiven us and we praise you, we're saying there is no one that forgives ultimately like you forgive, right? That is why we reserve our highest praises to God. And let me say this. uh, When you look at verses 4, verse 4 is basically saying this is what God does for us. And because of what God does for us, we exalt in God. Um, We we give praises to God. We're so excited about God that we praise him when we're standing up. We praise him when we're going about life. We also praise him when we're laying down our bed. We're just overwhelmed by what God has done for us. And so when we praise God in our prayers, it's because we love him. Praise is linked to love. And when you love somebody, right? I'd say the, the, everyone in this room, the vast majority of us in this room, know what loving it, love is. Know what it means to pursue somebody because you love them. Your, your mind goes into overdrive on why you love that person, right? Hint, hint, uh, gentlemen, uh, Friday's a special day coming up. It's, it's Valentine's Day. Mark it on your calendar. I just gave you a heads up on that in case you forgot. But, but Valentine's Day, it's very interesting how it's captivated in the entire world, not just America, where people go overboard on Valentine's Day, making sure that their significant other knows how much they love them. And some will, will, will come up with words of their own. <laughs> some will find cards or gifts to show how much they, they're loved. But I'll say this, that a gentleman, let me just kind of give you another hint. I, I am the master of love right here, okay? So take it from me. <laughs> Anywho, let me say this. Gentlemen, there's a difference when you, when you get a card for your wife and you say, you're great. She's going to react a little different um, to that versus if you just tell her in, in many words why she is great to you, right? Um, you see, the more we speak on the value of that person in our eyes, um, the more we saying, I love you with a, a deep love, Right? Um, and that is what we do when we, we praise God. We, we praise God because we have this unbelievable love for what he has done for us and what he means to us. 
And that is why the Psalms are just filled with, with, with one after the other of just, uh, of just people praising God from the depths of their being for all that he has done for him. You see, if you, if you, if you don't know how to, how to praise God, let me just give you a, a couple of ideas of how, how to incorporate praise into your prayer. Number one, um, just open up your scripture. Um, the more you are in the scripture, the more you will understand who God is and the more you will have words to praise him by. I encourage you to, to pray through the, through the Psalms. Just, just get up in the mornings, just open up the Psalms and in the Psalms there are chapters after chapters just describing God and all of his beauty and all of his grandeur and all of his glory. But also you can take songs that you, you listen to, whether it be songs of praise on the radio, uh, songs that you may have heard um, and morning worship, um, you can take those songs and you can, you can speak them back to God. You can, you can sing them back to God. I often sing to God and when I pray. But also we can just take these words uh, that we had on the screen that we sung this morning and just repeat them back to God. There's, there's many ways that we can incorporate praise into our prayer life. And in many ways we can deepen our praise. But, but this is what I, I believe. The more that you are in awe of what God has accomplished in your life, when you're more in awe of what God is doing in your life, when you're in awe of what God has provided for you in his salvation, I guarantee you that your praise in your prayer life will come to life, right? So, so praise gives us this ability to keep the awe of God in its proper perspective. The second thing that, that prayer does for us is that it keeps um, um, our fears in check. Now, fear is one of the most primal emotions that we all face as human beings. Sometimes those, those fears are, are rational. Sometimes those fears are, are irrational. Sometimes we, we, see them, we see them coming because we experience things in our lives that cause us to fear. And other times fear just comes out of nowhere and just wallops us, right? Um, sometimes fear um, is in the form, comes in the form of anxiousness. It comes in the form of, of agony or worry or just being in danger for your life or perceived danger in your life. It also comes about when we are, uh, seem to be out of control. Sometimes uh, fears assail us one at a time, and sometimes they're like a gang that just kind of gets us, you know, one after the other after the other. Um, what you fear is, is, is sometimes not what I fear. Um, I do have a fear. I have several fears in life. I have a fear of, of heights, and I have a fear of speed. So you'll never see me do the two at the same time. Um, you'll never see me on a roller coaster, right? I, I learned that lesson as a young kid. Um, I had friends that loved roller coasters. I lived right next to Worlds of Fun. And, uh, and all growing up as a teenager, um, I, was, I was tricked all the time to get on those roller coasters, and I regretted every moment of it, right? There's something about fear. And you may say, man, I love roller coasters. It's exhilarating. It just frees your spirit, you know? And for me, I just want to throw up everywhere, right? And so that's what fear does for us. It, 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 sometimes it just makes no sense. And so the Bible doesn't downplay our fear. Whether our fear is rational or irrational, um, whether it's personalized or universalized, the Bible doesn't downplay it, but it, but it also doesn't enhance fear at all. It just basically states that a, a, a given, that fear exists within the human condition because based on the very fall 
of man into sin, but it's also about a trust issue with God himself. But when we, when we incorporate praise into our prayers, what it does, it just it places those fear in the context of who God is. You see, we take our fears, and, 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 and while it's there, and our praises just enables us to encompass fear and keep it in its place to the point that it doesn't uh, overwhelm us, that it doesn't paralyze us, but praise does something very fascinating to us. In some aspects, it gives us courage to stand tall in the midst of your fear, whether it's perceived or not, whether it's a real thing or not. It gives us courage to to stand firm because we trust that God is greater yet. So if you still have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Psalm 56. Now, Psalm 56 is a, is a prayer of praise that David offers to God because he is probably at, at, the, at, the, at the lowest ebb of his life at this moment. I mean, David has experienced a lot of things in life, but he is at, at the doorsteps of death, and there is nothing he can do And there's no way out from his perspective. There's no way out of his situation. What happened, and we can you find more about this story in in 1 Samuel chapter 21. It goes into greater detail. I encourage you to read that at some other point um, after the services. But um, in Psalm 56 is David's reaction to him being in a situation beyond his control. What happened was David is on the run for his life because Saul's after him to kill him. So David had this wild idea. I think it's, it's safer for me to go and live in the land of the Philistines, my enemy, rather than stay in the land that Saul is king over. So he makes a foolish decision. He decides to head over to the Philistines. But you guys all know the story, right? Um, he, he killed the, the Philistines' national hero named Goliath, right? And, and so um, those people still remember what he did to their national hero, Goliath. And so when he steps foot into the Philistines, they recognize him right away because he is like persona non grata. He is number one on their little FBI most wanted list, right? Uh, they knew David. And, and he didn't make it there but a quick second, and they nabbed him. And they, and they abused him, they, 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 they hurt him, and they, they put him in a cage and put him on display, and they told him that they were going to kill him. They were just trying to figure out how to kill him, <laughs> you know, how to make it a, a national celebration on killing him. So David's in this cage being watched night and day by these people, and this is what he does. I mean, this man, he's in tremendous fear for his life. You ever been there? There's no way out for you. There's no escape for you. Um... You're left to fate, right? And some, some, some of us are okay with that, being, leaving things to fate. But for most of us, including old Dave Myers, um, it's overwhelming to the point of fear, right? So this is what David says in Psalm 56 and verses 3 and 4 and 9 and 11. He says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose, who, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust... I shall not be afraid. Isn't that amazing? Verse 9. Then my enemies will turn back on the day when I call to you, God. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Right? 
So David, in, in, the, in, this, in this psalm, in this pray, in his prayer to God, he is praising God for who he is. He says three times, whose word I praise, whose word I praise, whose word I praise. What he's saying is this. He, he, he's, he's acknowledging God for who God says he is. He's saying, God, I, I know you're faithful because you say you're faithful. I know you are mighty to save because you say you are, and you've demonstrated over and over again to people. I know, God, that you are with me. You may not change my circumstance. You may allow me to die at these, at these Philistines. Hands. You may allow the consequences of my foolish decision be the end of my life. But, oh, God, you are who you say you are, and that I know in this moment, in this cage, with all these people banging for my death, I know that you are right here with me in this cage, in this moment. You have not left me. In whose word I praise. You see, when he says in whose word I praise, he's not allowing his fear to dictate his prayers. He's allowing what, what God says about himself to dictate the condition of his heart in the midst of an unbelievable, overwhelming, I would say, life-ending situation. Now, here it is. David gets out of that. I believe because of this prayer, God gives him some discernment on how to get out of this predicament. But even if God did not get him out of this predicament, we have it on David's great authority that he, he was at peace with God. And he was able to worship the Lord in the midst of his agony. He was able to worship the Lord and offer praises to him in the midst of his despondency when he didn't think that there was an answer for him. You see, praise puts everything in, in perspective because fear preys on truth. And that is why praise is an antidote to fear. It puts it in perspective because fear basically allows our emotions to get the best of us. And we forget who God is for us. And he's here with us. Uh, Mercy Me has this great song out there. I don't know if you listen to Christian music or not, but, but it's a song. It comes from a, a personal trial that, that the leader of Mercy Me is going through. It's called Even If. I'm not sure what the trial is, right? But I love the lyrics to the song, and I encourage you to YouTube it later on as you're going home or as you're at home this, this afternoon. Even If. This is what he says. I, I know you're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, well, good thing, a little faith is all I have right now. But God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be able to sing, it is well with my soul. When you are inundated with fear, and when things are out of your control, raise up your voice in worship and praise God for no matter what, his love for you endures forever, right? Um, and I say that even in my own life this past week, just experiencing tremendous pain and tremendous loss myself. And I can say that there have been many nights this past week that I have lifted up uh, my hands to God in desperation and wondering and hurt 
And I'm going to tell you something just from my own personal experience that he has met me where I am at. And that is what God will do for us when we exalt him in prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Praising God, and I'll close with this, praising God leads us to become people who are filled with joy. I think joy is a tremendous distinction that sets out the people of God from everyone else in the world. That we say our God is in control of all things. And and so when we begin to worship God and, and be in awe of him and try to take in him and all of his wonderment, that joy, that love for him just kind of seeps into our own soul and it changes us and it makes us just as joyful. You see, we, we serve a being, a great unbelievable God who is the source of all joy. And the more that we spend time in his presence and the more we rejoice in who he is, that joy just funnels down and trickles down into our own souls. About 10 years ago, back in 2010, 2011, I decided to take the challenge and I basically took a whole year out and I did nothing else. I didn't read anything else in my devotional time, but I just took the Psalms and I took all 150 chapters and I read them and I, I, I meditated on them. And, and this is what the Psalms did for me. It awakened me to the depths of God. It awakened me to the, to the agony, the condition of, of my soul, but it also gave me an understanding that God is greater than my situation. I encourage you, if you just need, need somewhere to start, start with the book of Psalms and allow God just to use his own words to describe himself to encourage you wherever you may be. And I, I love, I love the Psalms. It, it meant the world to me. If you look at my Bible this morning, if I, if I let you just gander through this Bible this morning, um, you will see the Psalms are probably the most marked up portion of my Bible um, because it's meaningful. And, and I find myself um, seeing eye to eye with what David is going through and what others are going through in the Psalms. Um, I love how Psalms in Psalm chapter 150, I think we have it on the screen. I'll close with this. This is how the Psalms end. It says, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. So, Father, that is exactly what we do. We just sing to you a hallelujah. There is nothing, Lord, that um, can match that. Um, for hallelujah literally means that, Father, that we just give you the greatest adoration possible. And so, Lord, we, we just uh, thank you for all that you do. We, we, as your people, are overwhelmed by your grandeur. We rejoice always in you. Um, we know that according to 1 Thessalonians, your will for us is to be men and women who rejoice at all times and pray at all times and give thanks for all things. And we want to, Lord, live into your will. We want to live in your will by, by being people um, of worship, not of things of this earth and not of one another, but God, we really want to give worship and awe to you. 
We want to reverence you in all your might and all of your glory. We believe that, Father, that you are infinite. We believe you are holy. We believe that you are the crown of heaven. We believe that you are our only hope, our only living hope. And we give you thanks for that. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would just take um, um, the meditation of your word this morning um, uh, through this message and that, God, that you would help us to incorporate praise into our prayer. Lord, I, I pray, Father, that as we praise you this coming week in our own prayer lives, in our own prayer uh, circles, in our own prayer closets, that, Lord, that you will become more alive to us um, because, Lord, we are overwhelmed by who you are. Lord, we thank you, Father, for praise. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to pray to you. For we believe that, God, that it's not us who make prayer work. It's you who make prayer work. And we seek your face in all things in every way possible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northbridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.